Hello, and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. Shay Damier describes himself as a student of Chicago, Detroit, and New York's club scenes. But he himself was an important architect of American dance music from a very early age. As co-founder of Detroit's Music Institute in 1987, he worked to build a temple for emergent DJs like Dee Wynn, Juan Atkins, and Derek May that was intended to match Chicago's warehouse and New York's Paradise Garage in stature and devotion. As a producer, Damier nailed one of the greatest runs in house music history from 1993 to 1995, mining new levels of depth in a creative partnership with Ron Trent. To this day, Damier retains an innate curiosity to discover not just what makes people move, but what touches their soul. When things didn't feel right in the 2000s, he had the strength of character to hang up his headphones for a lengthy spell. But now, with another fertile creative partnership afoot and charged with fresh inspiration, he speaks to Gabriel Zatin about lessons learned from 30 years at the pinnacle of house music. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Shay Damier is up next. Hello, welcome to the Resident Advisor Exchange. We're here on a muggy day in London at the start of summer. My name is Gabriel Satin, and I'm here with... Shaz Zamir or Shay Damier. So how did you actually get your stage name and how, after 30 years in the game, is there still a variation? <laughs> well, it's a variation because I think when I was... Well, when the name came to my head... When it came to my head, I think I was 16 years old, and I think it just came to my head. So, obviously, having no form of other knowledge of other languages, uh, okay, Chaz, Chaz, Chaz Demir, just, I wrote it. I wrote the the spelling of it, so it was, so I had to pronounce it, and so, in pronouncing it was Chaz Demir. But it wasn't until <laughs> I found out years ago, later, actually, after doing a project, and I was in France, in Paris, and someone says, okay, Chez Damier. I said, okay, well, this is interesting. Uh, do you know here? Do you know you have a French name? Do I have a French name? I have French name. So it's French, okay, French and English, which is really quite unique because I had no knowledge of the idea of the French enunciation of it or pronunciation of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I completely yeah. understand. So that's how we came. Something on the topic of understanding is you, as an artist, do not like words put in your mouth and you would not I think enjoy the conversation we're going to have if I put confines around who you are and what you've done so I'd like to ask where would you start the story of your time in music and how would you convey who you were who you are now where you've been to someone that has no idea who you are and where you've been that would be a little difficult (laughs) it would be a little difficult now because I've been writing a book for the last three years probably of my life. And I think to me, um, writing parts of it and trying to see the overall ending of it is, uh, has been quite, not difficult, but quite different for me because uh, it started out one way, you know, with just the whole house music thing. And then it started out another way with my life. And then it started another way with uh, things that inspired me. And so I'm stuck between the, the the moments of, and so now I'm trying to to put it together so that it can be all of them uh, at the same time. But then, how do I, you know, arrange it to where I get each part dedicated to each part of the of the title or the or the subtitles? You know, like the the, the musical part, the the fascination DJ part, the person part. You know, uh, to me, they all are living different parts of one life 
we could start with the inspiration, if you like, the part of your life before you were who you are. Because I've seen that you grew up in a musical household, that you had family members that were involved in music, but I haven't been able to track down any of those specifics. So what was your introduction to your awareness of music? What records were you liking when you were young? And how did you start to, to really feel the groove that would define your life? I don't have the same story as most, and, I, and I've heard actually people being interviewed where where they gave me the anthology of their life music. I don't have one. Um, you know, I, I started off in a household where we uh, grew up listening to uh, blues, jazz, and soul, um, and then later as a teenager, uh, rock, and then disco, and then there's so many forms of music that came in the process of me getting to the level of maybe working in a record shop or, or me being inspired to, 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 to work around music has changed <laughs> or evolved so many times. And so I, 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 yeah, I have special music in my life that probably have changed my life. But in terms of a story, I don't have that same story. I don't have that same stories where, you know, I just don't. So I don't, I don't know. My inspiration would come from probably uh, to be inspired by artist spirit. I, I was I was always inspired by art. I was always inspired by fashion. I was always inspired by music. And so to me, I looked at all of them as being all so connected to and food as well, cooking food. So all of them, they were all so connected to me. I saw them for their individuality, but they were just all a part of me. You know what I mean? And there's there's no part that I singled out so great to say this is over this part. I was wondering if an aspect of religion or awareness of spirituality feeds into that as well. You seem to be someone musically as well as your your innate curiosity as a man who likes to look behind the mask and likes to examine what makes the dance floor move, not just in terms of uh, feet literally moving, but what really moves people inside. So is there a spirituality that you latched onto or just were you aware of like the sixth sense of art? I'm not so sure that I'm totally aware of it, but I, I think uh, uh, part of my biggest inspiration for, uh, let's say, dance music in particular, when I first uh, went to, to a, a proper club, I was like, I was 14 years old in high school, and so we, we had high school parties, and, you know, and to, to go all this to DJs, I thought it was really, really amazing. I knew that I was, I was attracted to that, but it wasn't until I went to see Frankie Knuckles at um, a club called The Warehouse in Chicago, and it wasn't until, and I was like 16 years old with a phony idea. I didn't have to be 18 years old to get in, so a friend of mine took me. We, we got me all doctors up with a false idea, and because I was tall, I could get in. There was no problem, so I looked like I was 18 years old. And then I went into the club, and it was something like I had never ever experienced in my life. It, it was almost like, whoa, you know, this, it, it was, it took me, it took me so fast that now I needed it. Now I needed this to be a part of my life. So then uh, I think I spent like the last year of the warehouse being open, and then they went on to open another club called the Power Plant. And so, complete member from day one, and, and so just studying and just really loving the music was my thing, but it really wasn't. It, what really captured me was I wanted the magic and the power that Frankie Knuckles had and how he was able to make a room for 300, 400 people all almost speak the same language in this moment and all feel like they were all special and all feel like they were all in harmony with each other. This is what I wanted. And so I think I started trying to DJ as a result of, of trying to chase this moment. I'm like, okay, so maybe the power is in playing the music. Uh, so I'll, I'll chase this. And I had no idea. I mean, that led into obviously opening a club, but, but, but I had no idea what I was really after. Not that I'm 100% sure now. But where we ended, where we arrived to was we arrived at, I think it is a spiritual, I think it's a spiritual uh, consciousness because I think I, I think the, uh, for me, I'm very conscious of walking into a situation. I'm very conscious about what it is that I'd, I'd like to do with people through music. So it's like the music is the, uh, how do I say, maybe the weapon, I don't know. But then there's the psychology and there's the emotion and the passion and spirituality, I think, that gives it the other layers. And, and I think, for me, uh, the idea was to how do I put all of that while playing the music at the same time? How, you know, how, how can I put 
all of what I'm feeling at this moment into the behind playing the music. And as I begin to 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 try this, I I realized that there was something different about when I came to play in in a set or a party, and and I sort of realized that okay, this is what I want. I was beginning to see this thing that I saw when I was a young youth and with with, with knuckles of of people smiling, people just happy in this moment, you know. And then obviously still producing music, I, I realized that okay. There's got to be a freedom in this. There's got to be some freedom in in production. There's got to be some a freedom in, in in music that triggers inside of them. That it triggers them inside of them, that loosens them. And so I don't know how to to completely explain it in that capacity. But for me, this is this is this is what it is for me. Do you think that restlessness led you as a as a as a young man to move around a lot because you lived in Chicago, Detroit and New York in relatively quick succession, chasing the passion of, of dance music as it was exploding colourfully all across the country. Or was that just more circumstantial that you were moving because you were moving and it wasn't really linked to chasing that same experience? You know, I hear a lot of people say that they can only go so far in life because they didn't have a proper education or because they didn't go to university. These were my universities, okay? My university was Detroit. My university was New York. My university was was Europe. My, they were all my It was almost like a kid uh, having paid tuition uh, to, to, to study because they were not just about me going to them, but what was I getting from them? What, what was I understanding from these trips? What was I understanding from these other cultures and these other people? Uh, to me, that's invaluable to me. I, I, I think, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was... Out of circumstance, I, I think I think it was out of I, I was after something, <laughs> and I need to understand it. <laughs> I need to understand it. You know, uh, there's an old saying that I think Chicago taught me music. Detroit taught me the technical aspect of it, and New York taught me the understanding of it. And I think Europe taught me the the return on it, you know, like, like what did all of these means and what does the return look like? And to me, this is my understanding of, of growing in music. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, yeah, that, that, to me, that's, um, that's, that was really fascinating. And it's still fascinating, actually, to be quite honest with you. Did you find an understanding of also what you didn't like in music because I, I I pulled up an old quote from a few years ago of what you said about running the music institute in Detroit saying that I don't have the capacity for structure in that you wouldn't go and run another club um, but I think that's quite a telling statement of the way that you've lived your life in music it doesn't feel like you're comfortable with confines around you uh, we were speaking before the mics got turned on that you live in the moment and you're chasing that moment and then you're there and you're not seeing it as connected necessarily to another moment or to a future moment. It feels like structure doesn't really apply to you in the way that you go about your daily life and certainly not in the way that your music career has developed. You're absolutely right. So to understand it today, I think sometimes I think there's something wrong with me because it, I, I think, okay, well, why, I, why can't I be like this person? Why can't I understand things like this person? And I realized that <laughs> through moving and, and being impatient, that I have not developed the capacity to 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 understand something too long in one space, you know. It's like when I'm in it, I we call it reducing it. I try to reduce the moment to everything I think I'm going to grab out of it, and I want to go, I want to go, I want to go through the next next journey, uh, and that's how I see life for me, you know. I, I'm always trying to understand it in this moment, you know. What does it mean to me? What's the energy in it? You know, what's happening around me? And then okay. You know, but I can't like some people like sit around and stay in the morning for hours that that I just never had the capacity to. There was a particular moment. It was a wide moment. It was a year, let's say in 1989. You weren't even 25. You'd A&R'd for Kevin Swanson's KMS. You'd run a club. And now you were beginning to produce music. You were producing with Mark Kitchen. You were producing with Juan Atkins. And you really started to get out as a producer and make your name. What was it about that moment and the energy you were feeling as the dance scene was exploding all around you that really drove you to be a producer, producer? I think uh, just probably like you ask an engineer what makes him become an engineer. I, I think he's curious about the functionings of something. And so to me, uh, it just made sense to, to, to 
if I was going to understand it, I, I need to really understand it. How, how do I understand it from me listening to someone else's production versus me putting my own hands into it? What's the difference, you know? And and it was at a fantastic time uh, because Chicago had already exploded uh, with the house, so I, 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 I couldn't have been a part of that, you know? <laughs> but I think I was on the very beginning of the Detroit, you know? In fact, I think I, I might have named the the... the Detroit techno album for Virgin. I'm almost sure I might have given it the name. I'm almost sure, but but yeah, just just evolving to the next level. The, the next level was okay. Now I need to know understand it a little bit more about it, you know. And I think I just think it, I don't even think it was a thought. I think it was just a, a, a natural progression, you know. That you're just curious to to know how to do it, you know. And I think of course that all had to deal with with the passion that you have inside, the emotion that you have inside, uh, just something you want to get out, you know? How can you translate that to drum machines and sequences and keys and melodies and rhythms? Because you have put out house music that people say has this feeling, it has this emphasis, it's well-rounded and it's full-bodied and it's deep. How can you translate those human emotions into a recorded piece of music using software? Is there a moment where it clicks for you and you realise, yeah, I've got a handle on this and I'm saying what I need to say in these quite mechanical senses? You know, it would be very hard to say that because I think that each machinery, each piece plays such a different part from the sound module to the actual rhythm. So it would be hard for me to define it in that capacity. But however, I'm looking for other elements now. And I'm not looking at necessarily for what it can sound like. Now, now I want to define the musical instrument to emotion. I want to to reduce the drum machine into an energy. Uh, so now my whole outlook is completely different now at this stage of the game of how I look at it. So now before I was looking at, okay, so how can I sequence this? How can I MP60? How, how can I make this work? How can I mess with sign times and swings? And it completely changed into, okay, now, okay, I need this energy in it. I need this emotion in it. I need this freedom in it. And so now I've rechanged, I relabeled them now. So now it's just a part of what can I get out of, you know, I can get energy out of a keyboard as well as uh, out of a drum machine. I can get emotion out of a drum machine as much as I can to keep it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now the, 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 the titles have changed. The positions have changed. You know, some positions of how I look at it. So... If I, wanted, if I was really wanting to explain it to someone uh, today, and this is my honest truth, I would ask them, first of all, how does this make you feel? Okay? What does the track do for you? And, 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 and Why would you not ask them, can you feel it? <laughs> that just made sense, right? <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, you're right. You're right. I guess I, I, I guess I could on, on, on the other end, but I guess again because I'm always changing the labels. Ah, <laughs> so yeah, now it's a, and so now instead of asking, can you feel it? How does it make you feel? And so now, if I ask, how does it make you feel? I have this crazy theory. Me and me and my partner Ben, veteran, we've been writing together in Paris for for some years. We believe that whatever we're experiencing in this moment of writing that we honestly believe that we're putting it into the music. We, we honestly believe this. We honestly believe it from the happiness to the sadness. We honestly believe that in creating, we're actually putting all this in, in the music. So our ultimate result or our ultimate dream would be, can they feel what I'm feeling? Can, 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 do, is, there, is there a subliminal language here? You know, is there an invisible language here that people who are connected to your music, is it, is it, is it an invisible thing that, that they all understand? Do you see what I'm saying? You know, uh, and I'm so curious about this. I'm so curious. It makes us a mad scientist, but I, I'm so curious about this. So you mentioned Ben, who we'll get on to a little bit later, um, but it's a good point. He's a production partner. Uh, you're establishing a dynamic and a language between you, and you have, more than most artists, put out the majority of your work with someone else. You have, and I've put up Stacey Pullen, Carl Finlow, Ralph Lawson, Change Request, Andrew Emil, <laughs> shout out to Andrew, and Ron Trent. I mean, you work with people and you find a dialogue in the studio and then you have music that's made with someone else. And I find that really interesting that you seem to put out your best material when you're vibing off someone else and you're generating a common language. Why is that? 
Well, because I think I'm, I've, I've, I've understood the power of more than one, okay? Uh, I realize my power and my energy as a person. I'm fascinated by when you put two of anything together and the third thing that you got out of it. That's far more fascinating to me. Uh, if I mixed milk with soda, it's a completely different taste. Uh, but it is. And so, but, but you're getting a new taste. And so with me, I've always found, and then also too, I've always tried to inspire other artists. So, so obviously, I, I've always saw something in them also as well to me. And maybe that's just the A&R guy in me. Uh, I've always saw something in them that was really special. And I said, okay, well, you know, h- how can we help? How can we help pull this out and and create something different at the same time? You know. So for me, I really enjoy it. I mean, some people ask me, why do, why do you, why do you like to work with other people? Well, it, it's different. I don't do a lot of music, and I don't not put out a lot of releases. But to me, I enjoy the moments in the moment when 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 I've had this this time to to collaborate. You know, uh, I I to me, in the past, I loved it because the children we call them children uh, they don't look like neither you. They 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 are two of you, but they're not one of you. You know what I mean? You can see the difference in, in, in the combination of energy, I think. I could be wrong, but, but I think you can, you can see and you can hear the difference in combination. Otherwise, we would just be working with ourselves, wouldn't we? You know, but I think to me, the whole purpose of working with someone is to explore. You know, it's to explore new territories, it's to take new risks, you know, to be really curious about things. And so that's all I look at. I hope that that answered something. <laughs> While I don't want to spend too much time talking about the work with Ron Trent because that was a, a few years of your life um, and it's not something that defines everything, there was one one song and one moment that I really found interesting and I'd love for you to explain what you just said about the synergetic energy between two people and how that manifested in this one song. It's Morning Factory, which I believe the inspiration came from you two seeing Junior Vasquez in New York and driving back home. Is that a one of a kind lightning in a bottle type situation where you both walked away from that dance floor with incredibly strong feelings, you talked about it on the ride home and then you got straight in the studio and it just clicked? Or was that how it always works with you and Ron and you and other people where you talk something over, you take inspiration from a certain moment? I'd love to get like a sense of how that actually manifests because you can talk about the, the children that you're making the records, but it's hard to know who you are and who the other person is and how that dynamic really combines to make music that's timeless. Uh, but you don't know this at the time. And so to me, we... With let's just take me Ron for instance. I think the bulk of our I I meet Ron Trent. Let's just say in July, uh, I'm introduced to him properly. I'm inviting him to Detroit in August. I'm inviting him in in New York the same weekend uh, for his first experience in this club life in New York. Um, to me, that was a start. That was a start from us. And so I don't think that we sat down and thought about it. We, we would sit down and talk about. Temples that, that that was our thing. What temple that we want to start out? But I think for the most part, I, I'm really glad that we we both got that experience. I had already been getting it, but but so to him, I, I'm glad that we both got that experience at the same time because I think that you know Ron is a you know as a is a music master. He you know he he's 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 very analytical with his music. He's a music collector, you know, and so for him to to for something to hit and trigger this in him to make him see differently than how he was seeing it before, to me, was just, it was about timing. It, it was about timing. I, I don't think that we sat and discussed what we're going to do coming back from the South Factory or coming back to, to to Detroit. I think it was like, okay, we had a great experience. Okay, so now where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And, and I think, to me, that's how it was created. I, I, it, it wasn't created with any pre-thought or pre-meditation. It was like, wow, we had this experience. And I think for us, actually, I think because it was it was amazing to hear what we thought was such a dynamic sound system, first of all. I think at the end of the day, I mean, it was just such a dynamic sound system. I, I, I almost felt like... I think one of the things that got both of us were, were feeling like we were hearing frequencies that we didn't hear even in our sessions and we didn't hear in certain records. So so we were really fascinated, I think, by, by this. It's like, whoa, this is almost saying something else. You know, it's, it was just, 
and maybe it could have been something else. But I, I mean, but for us, uh, I think that was really intriguing. I think it was really intriguing to 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 have that listen and to be able to be a part of the people and to be able to be right with them on the dance floor. It wasn't like we were sitting by being, you know, uh, spectators. We were actually on the floor. I mean, so if I was there from 2 o'clock to 7 o'clock, and I was dancing 99% of the time. So it wasn't even like we were, oh, let's catch what's happening. We were so lost in the music, you know. So I think, to me, that was that chapter of, under, of of collaboration. I think with Mark Kitchen, it was different because Mark Kitchen came from alternative rock, punk rock. So for me... Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I, I spent time teaching him disco and soul. So so that was that was a whole part of our relationships at that time. You know, it was like how... Now I'm taking this kid who doesn't have any of the experience in, in soul or disco... Now, okay, man, this is I'm introducing you to this. And so I'm introducing him to this sampling. I'm introducing him to these these beats. So that was our experience. So in, in the process of that, we, we had some great moments, you know, uh, as Power 41 and remixing for Kevin Saunderson. Uh, there, there were some good moments for that. But but again, time was moving. So it was moving. It was, it was, that, that chapter was ending, you know. And then we moved to the next chapter. What I find quite interesting about, I guess, that chapter... And how it's now viewed in house history is that up the I ninety four you had Robert Hood making Minimal Nation within the same twelve months, a Morning Factory I think you had said at the time or since felt like a a minimal way of doing things because it was sparse and it didn't need too many elements to show off it was just hitting you, but then when you came back into the game Minimal was a descriptor for a kind of music that was devoid of humanity and warmth and soul and it's something that you almost felt like you needed to combat against maybe it's funny how you can have the completely different categorizations for completely different music work in that way and your definition of minimal in 1995 or 4 is so different from people in 2009 it's just an interesting way that things move in cycles but I also think that that's the interesting part of history I think if we look back on history and any origin of any music, uh, we would be surprised how we're not really the first creating anything. And so really you, you, you see elements of people doing this creation early on, but we are, we're, we're expressing it differently, you know? And so by the time after the morning factory and I begin to say minimum, I'm like, that's minimal. I mean, that's all but like four, four, four lines. And okay. That that's as minimal as you can get for a minimal track. But, but then minimum had turned into an energy level and beat level. So at that point, you know, it's still minimal, but but now uh, I guess the energy has changed. And so now this is now what they are calling minimum because the energy has changed. You know, but I still think it's minimal. I still think it's minimal. And I think it's, you know, one of the, the early expressions of, of, of minimal because at that point we call it being stuck in a loop. You know, and, and being stuck in a loop was so amazing and still amazing today when you get stuck making music. You know, it's just something about that moment. You're just locked in the moment. Um, and I like the moments. Just to, to dwell for one last question on that, that particular chapter. A song like The Choice, to me, feels quite maximal when you're within house. The vocals hitting you, uh, it's extremely densely produced. And it's not something that you hear that commonly uh, at the moment on dance floors, just a robust vocal house track. Um, you actually don't hear vocals that often in house music that's being made today. And sometimes when you do, it's considered a bit corny or it's considered just overly flamboyant. I'd love to get your take on the importance of vocals within dance music and how to make it feel right and not fall on the wrong side of that tightrope. <laughs> That's that, that question is like asking, is there one way to eat rice? Uh, and it's probably not. Uh, but I think like all artists, I think and all producers, I think we ultimately want to express ourselves. We want to say, okay, what's the message in it? What's the and again, we're not doing this because we know. We're doing this because we don't know, you know. And so, so, so this is all happening in the fact of us not knowing nothing. And so then we 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 say, okay, let's try this. You know, okay, let's try this. And you try it and you're like, okay, we're stuck. We like this. And so then you, okay, you're stuck. You realize, okay, it's not so bad. You know, we, we, we can try this, you know. And I, that's how I like to think we viewed it and like to think that I view it more so. 
Uh, in terms of right way, wrong way, I think that there's different things that that feeds people on the dance floor. You know, I think you have, you know, from what I call the Ibiza vocals, you know, very party, happy, happy vocals. And you have the, the vocals who are telling a love story. And then you have the vocals who are just saying the message, you know, and I, and I think we were just saying the message. I, I think it was, you know, choice. You got to do what you got to do. It was also a choice in our life at that moment. You know, we needed to do what we needed to do. If, and, and it was our choice, you know, to do it. And I think that it was just looked at it on just a different level than just throwing some words or just, you know, making some lyrics. I, I think it was just like, okay, this is coming from inside of us, you know. Uh, you know, and so I'm saying to myself, okay, so we can say this to the world. You know, we can, we, there's some people who would probably relate to this, you know. On the topic of feeling right and wrong, jumping forward a few years, it's the end of the 90s, and I believe that you saw the Ibiza circuit and certain aspects of dance music as your jumping the shark moment, and you had an innate sense of, this is the wrong move for me. What was it like having been through what would have been 12 or 13 years of, of your life in dance music, seeing what things have become and deciding it's time for me to take five? I know there were other factors that fed into it, but you must have sensed this is this is time to close this chapter for the minute. I, I think, uh, well, you're right. There are other elements, and I, but I think this is such a, a major one for for me and particularly I am a fan of DJs too let me not get it wrong I I, I, I come from the dance floor so I I'm like a little kid when when the, when the DJ is moving me one of the things that me and, and, and a really good friend uh, and and mentee that I mentioned was Kai Alsay. Um I've had him since like 16 years old and, and just trying to coach him and direct him and we would talk about our favorite DJs and what was happening with them and so we we could never understand why what makes a DJ change? Uh, we were just, it was just uncomprehensible to us to, to understand. It's like, okay, there's sound changing. What's changing? A- and, we, and we never got answers. We never got the answer. And I think I, I, I came to this road. I, I, I think, and, I, and I almost want to say that I believe any person who's an artist or DJ will get to this road. And the road that you, you get to is a crossroad. Uh, the crossroad asks you the question, do you want to go to the next level, but you got to go this way? Or do you go the way you've been going and stand a chance of not being in the game at all? And so, so, so your two choices are locked up into these moments. You know, do I go this way or do I go that way? And for me, the crossword was, it was emotional for me because I, I, I realized that, wow, I actually got to that road in my life. Like, wow. You get you get to that 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 road in your life where you say, Wow, I'm at that very place that I questioned DJs who I've liked over the year. I, I'm actually I'm actually at that place. And I think I remember playing this in the, the one weekend I was there, I was I was playing in it and then I went to, to another club and um saw an, another DJ and I remember coming back to my uh my hotel room and just I think I just had a breakdown. I think the breakdown was like, wow, what do I do? Because I don't want to go that way, you know. And if I stick to my guns, um, there may not be any space in the game for me. And wow, it, it, it's it's a very serious it's a very serious decision that you have to make. Uh, but I also realized that if I went the other way, it would be like selling my soul because at this point there would be no turning back. And so after seeing also some of the, the, the masters before I take these routes and I would, I would look at their lives and I say, you know what? Wow. Whew, if I take this road, I, I won't be able to come back. You know, I, I can't even be convincingly coming back because once you've, you, you've done that kind of sacrifice to me. And, and again, a part of it is the job itself, because, you know, let, let me not get that wrong. I, I think a part of a DJ job is to entertain. Uh, let me not take that away. It is our job to entertain. It is our job to make it work, I think, if we're going to play. But I think it becomes a, 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 there's levels <laughs> Of playing, and, and I think that there's quite a difference with playing from 500 people to 5,000 people. Big difference. Big Having difference. no lights to an LED screen and a smoke cannon and bottle service and the whole shaman, yeah. Yeah, um, but 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 you but you but you're forced to play differently, and and th- and this is and this is this is a move that is usually pushed, not necessarily by you, but because of the atmosphere. You know, because of the atmosphere, and you realize also still at the end of the day. 
you still have to make it work. You have to make it work. And for me, it was, it was okay, I decided in the end for me that I would not take that role. I did not want to be popular to that level. And that if I stuck to my guns, it's okay because I'm still understanding what energy is all about. And so, you know, I've not gotten to that point where I know everything or, 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 or I've got the winning formula. So the point is that I, I'd rather keep searching for finding my space in the game uh, and be okay by the moderation of how things run as opposed to me wanting to be this kind of superstar, DJ. It, it, it never, ever interests me in, that, in, in, the, in this perspective, never. So how was it when you actually came back? From Ibiza <laughs> or no, no. Back, to, back to reality. <laughs> when, you, when you came back to the game, when you had Brother and you had Balance and you began to get bookings again and people were like, oh, he's back. His headphones were hung up and now they're off the shelf. You know, man, um, I'll be quite honest with you. I wasn't thinking of it like that. Uh, what I was thinking was that I was excited to, it was like something told me that the mission isn't completed. Uh, when, 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 I, when I quit the first time, I was done. And when I tell you I was done, I gave every one of my records away. I left hundreds of records at a flat. I mean, it was, it was such a disconnection for me to want to leave it because I knew that if I didn't, I wouldn't be separated from it. And I, yeah, I had, to, I had to cut it from that biblical court. And so, and, and as hurtful as it was, it but it was okay because I had a whole new life happening for me. I had whole new directions of things happening, and I was simply okay. I was simply okay. But it was the moment I think I was in 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 in, in France, and I, someone asked me a question. He said, uh, "Have you ever thought about doing balance again, or, or putting out any of your old records?" And I thought, "Nah, not interested. No, not interested." And just this one moment, I remember going back to my 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 my, my flat and saying, "Whoa." Okay, let me think about this. This could be interesting because then all these, it, it, it was almost like all these ideas started coming to me again. And right now I'm thinking of a new logo. I'm thinking it was crazy. And then I realized, okay, in the end, I quit after me and Ron broke up because to me that, that was the end of the song for me. And, and But I thought the end of the song would be the end of me also as well. That was a rough partnership in terms of, you know, we, 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 we live together, we share the studio together, and we work together. That was almost like, you know, we, we couldn't run from what, what was ever happening or going to happen around us. So leaving it that time was almost, I think, it's the right decision that I, that I made. But coming back also, was I also thought was the right decision to make because it made me realize that I wasn't dead uh, and it made me realize that there was so much more to, to give. And the whole purpose of us actually creating Balance Records was so that we would invest in other artists. That that was the, the whole idea. Uh, and I realized that since in the divorce settlement, I took Balance and gave him a prescription. I realized, okay, okay, so if I do this again, I have to. And that's how Brother, um, you know, Brother came. It was so amazing. He he, he wrote me this this letter and, and sent me a demo. And I thought, okay. I'm opening up him at home and I thought, okay, this kid is, okay, this is really cool. I remember calling him like the same day and it was almost like a light bulb went off. It was almost like I, I understood at this moment that, okay, my assignment wasn't over. Yeah. I needed to, 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 to position myself to, to complete what I thought we were starting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so that's how that happened. And so in a sense, I like to think brother Sammy, I think he was really such a great part of, of me coming back because I, I didn't want to send him out there uh, by himself. So it was actually kind of like a win-win. A, a you know, I didn't want to send him out there by himself, but I knew that I could go also uh, with him. And so uh, that was also a great communication, a great relationship to work with him. Yeah, as well. I mean, it, it from a dance floor perspective, it felt like the student and teacher on their own trajectory together again. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It, it, it worked and the synergy felt special and not wrote it didn't feel like we're getting the band back together again no. it felt like a completely new exchange and that's why it worked yeah and, his, and obviously his music bangs which yeah. was a big part of it yeah, like yeah, he was, yeah. he was, no, no, he was it, on it, fire it, this, it's 10 years whole, ago the, the five whole chemistry. years ago he still is the whole chemistry to be honest with you at first i thought okay well maybe me and ron should get back together i, I thought this for this one moment and then i realized that and i know this sounds strange but to get back with him would only be trying to further where we left off. And to me, I thought it was such an end chapter. I thought it was, I thought, I thought there was no continuation uh, in that unless we both be new men. And so we both were not new men. And so therefore, it was time to take the energy and put it into the next generation, next chapter, next 
you know, this this kind of moment for me. What were you finding from dancers, from clubbers, from club owners, from the entire dance music ecosystem when you were back? Let's put a time on it of 2010, 2011. You're, 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 you're really back at this point. What was the communication that you were having with your audience and how, if, if at all, did it differ from the early days? Oh, it differs so well, so so much different. I think uh, one of the main factors was was the, the welcoming uh, package of of coming into a situation versus coming back into a situation. So that was really really special. Uh, the the welcoming was amazing. Uh, the respect level was amazing. Uh, the encouragement was amazing, and. I knew a little bit more now than I knew then. And so I wasn't going after the same thing. I, I, I was sure about, there, there's, this, there, there's this phrase that me and my production partners have when, when we think something is great and we say, are you sure about it? Or is there something sure about it that you like? Uh, it was something sure about the next level that I was so curious about that I had to prove to myself. So it wasn't about me and actually coming back in to prove to anyone else. I needed to prove something to myself. I had to prove to me that that if I was going to do this research, which has now been ten years now, if I was going to, from where I'm at where I'm at today, if I was going to do this research, I was going to really do it. I was really going to dive into this. I was really going to go in and study this thing. And to me, that's what I think I've been doing. I think I've been doing it. I've been been studying it or analyzing it almost as if it's a classroom to me. The people, every party, every event is a classroom to me. You know, I'm having fun, but I'm also studying. I'm, I'm I'm studying people. I'm studying emotions. I'm studying energy levels. I'm I'm, I'm studying this, and it's quite quite fascinating. You talk quite a lot about energy levels and mood, I know, right? No, no, no but it, it's a good thing. It it, it it speaks to your character. DJs right now, at this moment in time, for anyone listening in the future in 2019, tend to play faster or slower than a house tempo. You get people at different extremes is what's in vogue tempo shifts are quite popular they're relying on acceleration as a form of getting people going but when you're at a house tempo you've got three or four hours and you're not going to scribble all across the board you have to do something else if you can break down for people what it is that you're doing how you're pacing a set that's three or four hours how you're responding to the energy if you're seeing it song by song in blocks but what you're doing when you're at a more steady tempo but you still want to change energy and you still want to change mood what would be your tricks to be quite honest with you it isn't really a trick actually it, it, it's something that we're, we're studying it right now and this is why i put use the word energy uh one of the things that we, we're discovering is that Energy is so powerful that that we're finding, me and Ben in particular, we've been studying where we can we can make a 110 BPM sound like a 120 uh, just by the energy we put in it. And, and this is really fascinating to me. Uh, it's really, in fact, most of the time we say, what tempo do you think? And most 90% of people get it wrong. They get it completely wrong. They think it's actually faster or slower than it is, but we've discovered that, that there's a way that we can put energy in it that not lose the energy that we like. So whether it's, it's 105 or whether it's 127, it still has the same energy for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so for me, it isn't about keeping it at a pace standard. It's about taking that same energy and just using it in different, different songs. Just, but it's the same energy to us. You know, but, but it's expressive with the same energy. You know, I hope that I say this right, because I, I don't, you know, when I tell Ben, I say, you know, man, we, we, it's hard to explain. You sound like a complete lunatic if you were trying to explain this to someone. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's just, it's just our, what we've understood or what, what we understand it to be. It's about the energy. You know, energy can be reduced to anything. And so we're realizing that we're more fascinated with that than we are the styles of music. We're more fascinated with that, with the tempo of music. We're fascinated with that, you know. I mean, because one of us is from the techno generation, one is from the house and techno generation. So it's really fascinating to, to, to uh, discover something new in the process of discovering. I conducted an exchange a few weeks ago with Francois X, who's one of the residents at Concrete in Paris, where Ben often plays, and he has said very similar things about an appreciation of energy that drags above or below a given tempo and how he's seeking to stretch people's minds a little bit by putting something different in the track that gives a drag or an acceleration that's different. And it seems to be something that a generation of French producers are quite into, the more like 
spatial, trippy aspects of energy that's beyond just bangers. Uh, and that's quite interesting. Um, we should talk about Ben. You've mentioned him a few times. And there's a project in the works uh, which has a release that could be out by the time this airs and then maybe more music to come. Could you give some insight into who he is, what the collaboration is called, what it's about and where you're taking it? Ben and I, uh, about maybe five, six years ago, um, a friend of mine uh, from France, which is also a friend, friend of Ben's, uh, she sent me a demo tape of Ben had taken Never New Love and he, 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 he reworked it. And so he, and so she gives me a copy of it. She says, what do you think? I said, you know, I like this. I said, I'd like to release it. Uh, again, she said, well, you know, tell me who the, who the guy is who done it. Da, da, da. She said, Ben, that okay. I, I put it out. I don't think much of it. Uh, maybe about a year later, I'm playing in Paris, and uh, and so I, I'm playing, and I'm really enjoying the party. I'm really enjoying the room, and I'm looking at all the people and seeing who's who and who. And and this one kid to my right is just—he's with me the whole time. He's just completely with me from the time. And I said, "Well, this is—I I love when people are with you uh, on a dance floor." And this is to all the you mascots and you people who really come and give us energy. I, I'm so thankful for that, I, and I always pay attention to them because I think it's so important. To, to acknowledge them while you're DJing. Um, but anyway, so I, 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 at the end of the party, he comes and he introduces himself. He says, you know, um, this has been veteran. Uh, I'm the guy who done your mates. So I said, okay, cool. We hug each other. It's amazing, man. Okay, um, I'm staying in town one more night. Uh, let's meet tomorrow. Let's meet tomorrow afternoon. And he's meet me at my hotel. He came by. He met me at my hotel. And <laughs> and it was just, it was just, it was, it was funny and amazing. Uh, when he met me at the hotel, we started talking. We just started realizing that we we both had, we were intense people. We we were very intense people. Uh, you know, it was almost like seeing a mirror of yourself. It's like, okay, wow, I have a new friend to hang out with. Uh, we went from <laughs> we went from hanging out in the hotel room to going to the studio. Uh, the first thing we do when we get to the studio, we're writing names. We're writing names of who we think we're going to be. And so one of the names were H H Heart to Heart. This is so funny, and he still has the paper. This, this is, this. The story is amazing to me because it, it's so unlike a story. I mean, it's so, so unlikely to happen. We go from his studio, and we're we're now playing with production just at this moment, same day. I mean, we just we've been hanging together like we just met each other, and it was just love at first sight. And we we're working in the studio, and then we're still looking at the names. Okay, who who do we want to be? And then that was like the the, the start of the chapter, and. Afterwards, we, we, we would make arrangements to, to now come to Paris to work, and it's been inseparable ever since. I mean, I really, I, I, I've not had so much pleasure learning and working with anyone as I have been. You know, I've really had, um, it's really been a great journey, and, 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 and I've worked with partners before in my life, and I have to say, working with people where there's no limitation uh, on the communication, there's no limitation, period, and this is really fascinating in this moment in life to be able to do with someone, you know, because normally people who are quite established or quite in their own rights, they usually quite, you know, sometimes you get strong arms, you know, they, everyone quite to be stick on their, on their way they look at things or, or how they see things. And we came into this with none. We came into this with completely none. Let's start from scratch and let's see where we end up. And this has been the journey ever since. So uh, in terms of the project, we just started working on an album project, just working on projects. And so, one we just released uh, last week, I think it was uh, Temple of Love and uh, Begging Bread. And we released it as an intro to other works that we're working on. And so the idea of it is to just really see this to the end. The The, the project was written and recorded all in Paris. So it's, it's, so it's a complete French project, actually, uh, because we've never worked on it apart from that. We work with some French local artists as well to try to, to bring them into really just making a project. Uh, we invited my friend Paul Cut. Uh, into the to the game, we, we invited some local singers into the game, uh, and then we decided, okay, well, we, we, it'll be nice. H H will be a group. It will be a group. Yeah, we will produce a group, but it will be a group. But it will be a group, just driven by us, you know, in a sense. And so, that's where we at. And so, again, we're still experimenting with with with, with sounds and experimenting with with moments and energy, you know. But for us, the the biggest thing is is discovering. And we complete. You know, the scary thing about all this is that if if we were truly lunatics, this this would probably be the most disheartening thing. Is that we if we were actually crazy uh, <laughs> in the way we're thinking, but it'd be so amazing if we're not. <laughs> 
It's so amazing if we're not, and 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 that we're on to something that that we think is 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 real. It's something we think is 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 valuable. Uh, something that can be validated, you know, uh, through energy and sound, you know. So yeah, it's looking at it completely different uh, than we would look at it as producers five years ago. Do you think this is why five years ago, when people were asking you what it was like to be this guy at this moment with this legacy, why you were not comfortable necessarily with a legacy tag because you still felt you had somewhere to go and you still felt you had something to give and legacy put you in a box of the past? Is that why you always were a little bit uncomfortable with being typecast and having people I'm still put you on a plinth? I'm still uncomfortable with it. When I think of a legend, I think of an old West movie uh, with cowboys and, you know, and, and he's Rob Banks and he's just, you know, he's a legend of some, you know, legends to me, is it, it's powerful. Don't get me wrong. And, and I'm I'm so even thankful to be even compared to one. Let me just say this, first of all. Uh, but I think it, it, it puts it puts more on me than than I think of myself. You know, if I, if I thought this way, it would be a different story. But I think because it, it it brings more on you than you want it to, because now you have to see that. You have to see what they see. And I don't want to see what they see. I, I'd rather be blind uh, and just keep living than to see what they see, because then I can be without pressure, without uh, expectation. Do you see what I mean? I, I think sometimes certain titles give, gives you certain expectations. You know, um, I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I imagine that if a boxer wins a fight and becomes a prize, I, I think that's pressure because then at this point, I think people are always going to want to win fights. I don't know. Uh, but for me, I've never been comfortable with it. I'm still not comfortable with it today. Yeah, putting aside the word legend, which carries a lot of weight, can you can you at least understand that from some of the best house releases of the 90s to being involved with foundational clubs at the early stages, you know, even uh, shutting down the Southport Weekender with Kerry Chandler and this, this the closure of a big festival that meant a lot to a community and you were enshrined and entrusted with that. Can you at least understand why people, what people see in you? I don't. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really be quite honest with you. I am so extremely thankful for every opportunity that I get to be invited into anyone else's house. Uh, I was always taught that as a kid. Um, and so I'm thankful for any invitation. I want to believe that I bring something beyond the music. I, I want to believe that I bring me the person. Uh, me the person to me, I think is sometimes a little bit more valuable than the music because this is, this is life exchange. I mean, this is life exchange. I, I think for me, one of the most disappointing parts is when, I, when I've liked someone's music and when I meet them and it's so different from the music. I, I, that bothers me. I, I, mean, I, I stopped playing people music because of this. This is crazy. And not that they were rude or anything to me, but it was the spirit that they had. And I thought, whoa, you know, it's something not matching here. And so to me, I, I, I want to be uh, the real deal of the extension of the music. So if, if, if anything I've done or been a part has inspired you, I really want to inspire you. I want to be one-on-one to inspire you. And so to me, I look at it that way. It's quite, it's quite different for me. It has a quite different meaning to me than, than, than just how people perceive me or what I bring to the table. You know, I, I want to believe that I, I bring enough to, 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 to give everyone around me. There was something to, to to kind of wrap up because I felt this could be on your business card or this could be your your, your personal motto. There's something that I really enjoyed on uh, a re-release that came out a few years ago, uh, the Master Jam record in 2016, where the subtitle was for those that didn't hear it the first time. And I found that really heartening because you're not negging on someone like me, born in 1991, that wasn't there the first time. You're extending the same kind of graciousness and spirit that you have back then now and you're not seeing yourself as some kind of high elder no. that people have to bring offerings yeah. to but it's the, the the relationship is completely the other way around and you ultimately don't get a lot of people who've been in the game for as long as you that have that open-hearted approach and i, I just thought that, that made me smile when i first saw it like Thank this you, is man. how nice there'll be a whole new generation of people especially since you came back around when house music came back around who will be hearing this for the first time and it's just nice that you acknowledge that in a way that didn't feel like hoity-toity thank you man I, I as 
sincere as it, you read it was as sincere as I wrote it. You know, um, my thing is always about, it's carrying after the next one. You know, I, I think if you ask me, what do I want to be remembered for on this earth after I leave? I want to be remembered for those who I've come encountered with. I, I want to be remembered for this moment. I want to remember those who we've, we've exchanged uh, inspiration with. I want to be known for that. Uh, you know, to me, uh, the other things are not as important. I, I realize that people are effective. People change people, you know. And so, yeah, if I can reach or touch one person and they can touch someone else. I mean, you know, I was meeting with a very good friend of mine, Matthew Bandy, who, who's been living in London for the last 10 years. And he does a lot of Joy Negro's uh, engineering and, and work. In different, I mean, he's such a wonderful guy. And he and, and I hung out with him yesterday. And I was sharing some things, but he said, you know, man, you taught me this, and you taught me this. I'm like, whoa. And it's like, dude, how long? I said, oh, you taught me this before I came to London. And I was I was so caught off ground, uh, off of guard, because I hadn't realized that, you know, we used to spend a lot of time talking when he lived in the States, and, and just some of the things that he was able to hold on to then and bring them into his world here was nothing but a blessing for me because, it, you know, um, something got through. Some, some, something was exchanged. And, and so he held on to certain things as valuable. And that was really a blessing to me, actually. It was really, it was really a thank you to me back. And I, would, and, I, and I said it with a smile that I was so thankful, you know, to know that, yeah, people who you communicate with and you make an exchange with, hopefully they're getting more than just what meets the eye. Hopefully they're getting something that, that will touch them in the inside, that will, that will motivate them, inspire them or some way to me. This is, this is what always my hope is when I meet people, period. Period.